When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The first time I was like, have they drawn the testicles on, this, on these raccoons? Or was that just, just like a little fun thing that they've done? And I was like, no, 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 it's a major plot point that they're going to use time and time again. It's the bit where they're in the training of the elder and he's like, you think you're sitting on a map. Yeah. Actually, it's my, my testicles. Oh, that's not nice. What the film ends up being is this statement on capitalism and how we're sort of forced to abandon our friends and our communities and cultures to work for money. And I just found that just so heartbreaking. Hi, everyone. Today, joining Flix Watcher, we have George. Hello. We have Charlotte. Ahoy. And always Kobe. Yo. And we're here to talk about Bombocco. Thank you as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for editing this podcast and this episode. Please do remember to head over to Spotify and or Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and a glowing amazing review so other people can find us and also join in the conversation with us on twitter at flixwatcherpod or on instagram at flixwatcher hello film fans welcome to flixwatcher podcast our guests today are george and charlotte over to you please charlotte say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do please Hi everyone. When I'm not in a classroom teaching English to East London's finest, I am busy reading and watching everything I can lay my hands on. Isn't that a lot of people anyway? What what makes you different? You write about it? Oh yeah, I read and watch and I write occasionally and I talk about it. I, my dream, I realised, is to like get a cave that I sit in it and the people come and ask for recommendations like the Dalai Lama of pop culture. <laughs> that makes me different. I can see this dream. This is a good dream. No one can bother you except when they come to us for a recommendation. Other than that, you have peace in your cave. Yeah, book in an appointment, pop me a text. It's going to stop by in half an hour. Put the kettle on. We'll have a chat. You leave me. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of effort though. I've got, so I've got a similar kind of idea where people come to me and say, Kobe, should I watch X? And I say yes or no. And then that's the, that's the limit of the interaction. And then they start off. Well, like thumbs up, thumbs down, Caesar style. Exactly. Because when people ask me for a recommendation, my mind just goes cold and dark and enters into like a like the sunken place because I can't remember all the things I've watched. But if someone says, yeah, should I watch this? I'm like, yeah, or no. Do you not say, I know a podcast that you should listen to to find out? <laughs> That's probably your first thing you should be saying. When I say what's on Disney Plus, I'm like, no, we don't, I don't know a podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> should I watch this thing on Amazon Prime? And the answer is yes, if it's hacks, because it's very, very, very good. Mm, agreed. 
George, who are you? Hi, I am a freelance film writer and a Studio Ghibli aficionado, which is appropriate for today. Oh, is this leaning into what we're going to be talking about today, I presume? As if I don't know what it is. Uh, I hope so. No, just says it to everyone in Tesco's boots. I mean, it would be weird if I said I was a giant testicle. (laughs) (laughs) Save that for the grinder. (laughs) So no, I meant Pompoco. What are you doing? (laughs) Well, you've chosen Pompoco, which is kind of... uh, well, we're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna go into the raccoon testicles aspects of this film. Tell us first of all why you chose it, and then the synopsis. If you can, if you can bring it down to sixty seconds or less. Bulls. Right. Bulls. No, uh, that isn't the only reason that I wanted to pick this film. So like I said I I love Studio Ghibli. I started getting into their films when I was a kid, and I think my cousins used to sort of give me Studio Ghibli DVDs and. So over time, every Christmas and every birthday, I'd ask for a new one. I Spirited Way is probably my favourite movie of all time. Wow. So much so that I don't think I ever want to talk about it because it means facing the possibility <laughs> that someone doesn't like it. So, But I, I picked I picked Pompoko because I think, uh, you know, a, a lot when people think about Studio Ghibli, they think about Miyazaki, My Neighbor Totoro, Spirited Way, Howl's Moon Castle. And they're like really wonderful films, but you know, there's another half to Studio Ghibli. And Mm -hmm. one of the main directors who sadly passed away now, but he helped start up the company was Isao Takahata, the director of this film. And I just think they're his films are really interesting and really different. If your only experience of Ghibli films is uh, Miyazaki's movies. So can you give us a couple of other Takahata films? Yeah. So one he's probably most famous for is Grave of the Fireflies, Mm -hmm. which is just emotionally devastating movie that was released back to back with My Neighbor Totoro. Great double bill, if you ask me. Um, Don't know which order I'd watch them in, but he also did The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Kazuya, yeah. Yeah, and which is just this stunning kind of mixture of watercolors and charcoal drawings and you know Takahata wasn't a lead animator in the same way that Miyazaki is so a lot of his films all look very different from one another and have kind of different animation styles and you see it here in Pompoko as like you know bits where characters jump into sort of a more comic strip style you have all kind of different types of art coming into the film so that's why I really like his movies. Well, can you give us a synopsis of this in 60 seconds or less, starting now? Right. So, set in the suburbs of Tokyo, where an urbanisation project threatens the forest habitat of local species animals called tanuki. These tanuki make a five-year plan of resistance through sabotage, guerrilla warfare, and relearning the ancient art of shapeshifting to scare and fool the humans. But when their tactics don't work, they enlist the help of three elders who put on this ghost parade to make people believe the place is really haunted. They're warned by a shapeshifting fox that the only way to survive is to shapeshift permanently as humans and abandon all the other tanuki who can't shapeshift. And after a violent clash that leaves a lot of the tanuki dead, they make one last grand illusion to remind humans what life was like before urbanization. But it's too little too late, and what the fox says comes true. The habitat is destroyed, and they're forced to live as humans while their non-shape-shifting brethren struggle to survive. Oof, just under the cost there. Well done. 
I think I left out one probably key, very key fact is that these are raccoon-like animals. They actually are real animals, raccoon dogs, but they belong to the dog family, not a raccoon family. And the other thing I was going to mention is that the male species, in folklore at least, are known for having giant balls. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I felt like I buried the lead with my synopsis there, but yeah, that's a very important part of this film. What was the background for this film? Is this an original concoction from Takahata or was it uh, based on a another story, do you know? So from what I understand, I mean, a lot of it is taken from Japanese folklore. There's sort of all the different facts about like kind of Tanuki being sociable and mischievous and easily led astray by food. That's all within the folklore and the stories. There's a lot of sort of children's lullabies that come up in the film that the kind of the film takes a lot of inspiration from. As far as I know, I think it's I think it's original, but it, it kind of ties into a lot of the environmental concerns of a lot of Studio Ghibli films, like Princess Mononoke and and some of the other films, and has that kind of same type of vibe to it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it wore that on its sleeve, didn't it? That side of things, bioterrorism and well, just the environment, basically. Yeah. I'm going to check out these raccoon dog things. I have to admit from the start, I watched it all in the English version because I just, my head wasn't in the in the state to... Uh, oh no, this is the big thing, big mistake with this movie because the English does... It, says, it just calls them raccoons. Well, I mean, that also happens in the subtitles as well. It's the mistake of both. But the bigger issue of the English dub is that they refuse to work, use the word testicles. <laughs> they call them pouches. Pouches yeah. only. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in defence of the English dub, you do get Clancy Brown as Gonta. So yeah. there is that in defence. And you've got J.K. Simmons, yeah. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. I was really enjoying the narration, actually, I think, in the dub as well. Who's Maurice Lamarche. I don't know who they are. I'm going to click on the link now. I really like the tonality of it. Plus, like I said, I, was just, I just needed to not think as much and just get into the film and see what was going on because a lot of what's going on is madness but enjoyable madness I think <laughs> and I think the first time I was like have they drawn this is the first time I've seen it obviously have they drawn the testicles on, this, on these on these raccoons or was that just is that just like a little fun thing that they've done and it's like no 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 it's a major plot point <laughs> that they're going to use time and time again it's the bit where they're in the training of the elder and it's like you think you're sitting on a map. Yeah. Actually, it's my actually, it's my testicles. Oh, it's not nice. <laughs> I'm just picturing like Morpheus in the in, yeah, exactly. in the Matrix in that training montage. <laughs> actually, Neo, it's my testicles. <laughs> Helen, we've had a few Miyazaki. Well, it has been Miyazaki. We've had a few Ghibli on here. And I do just ask you about well, yeah, your thoughts on, on Ghibli in general, just to remind the people who are or listening for the first time. Yes, I've seen this before. When they kind of, they, they put them all on Netflix a few years ago and I worked my way through quite a few that I hadn't seen and this was, this was one of them. And I have the ones that I really, really like that I've seen a few times and then the ones that I've kind of like not hit the sweet spot for me. And also it's quite interesting, obviously, George, because you've had kind of the glibly experience as kind of a younger person kind of growing up with them, whereas I'm very much like watch them all as a complete adult. So it's kind of that slightly different experience we probably had with watching them. But yeah, I wouldn't say this one falls into my favourite, in my top kind of tier for what I'm into. I just, like, you know, it's, it's, 
the the films like are are out there. I mean, Ponyo is like a little fish girl who eats ham, and like when you try and explain them in a sentence to people, <laughs> they're all weird. But this one, I th- I think there was too much weird, and I I just can't get out of the testicle use of testicles and. It's 15 minutes in and we've already discovered that testicles are being used. I can't get over the use of the word testicles. <laughs> Balls, raccoon pouches are being used. And then there's, it happens quite on when they kill three people. And they're yeah. like, I'm like, okay, maybe this has gone too far. But I do admire them in that they've got a five-year strategy of how they're going to cope with this because they're clearly looking at it from an organisational point of view and they've assessed their resources. And there's lots of bits I like. There's like the whole kind of like parade is, you know, there's loads of weird stuff. Like the raccoon love stories. I'm always like, is this a PG? Because it kind of feels a bit sexy with the animals for children. <laughs> sexy animal syndrome. <laughs> and it's the, the like when they're doing their training, like the, the Rocky montage of them like changing into things is kind of fun. But I don't know why it has to be this long. And I think that was one of the, the main things that with me, I was just a bit like, oh. A bit of a struggle for me on this one. But I'm certainly happy that I've watched it and I've since learnt about Japanese raccoon dogs and that in folklore, they do shapeshift. So even though it's mad, it's something that is in folklore and therefore could actually happen. So (laughs) there we are. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, a lot of the film is rooted in folklore. I had the kind of privilege of going to Japan a few years ago and you see in a lot of like outside restaurants and inns and and places like that sort of ceramic statues of tanuki and they all have giant balls it's like a pretty common image to see so I mean this film obviously takes it to an extreme and you are meant to laugh at it and kind of find it funny but it's probably not quite as a unusual image I mean it, it, the raccoon dog testicles appear in Japanese uh, children's songs <laughs> one of which they play at the start of the movie so this is something that's quite sort of ingrained in a lot of folklore and on top of that you see so much sort of other imagery like imagery from like Shinto and Buddhism you see the actual Buddha appear several times in in imagery and so there's a lot of that going on but I also think it's like a film which actually in plot terms is not too dissimilar to something like Animals of Farthing Wood or Honestly I was thinking that that same thing like how to protect your own own environment and things like yeah Over the hedge Definitely (laughs) Oh god no please do not compare this movie to Over the Hedge I was genuinely thinking Animals of Farthing Wood when I saw this yeah and like Wardship Down as well Charlotte, your thoughts on Pompoko? Where are you with Ghibli in, in general? Ghibli is a huge thing in my house. My Neighbour Totoro is one of our films. Like as a family, we've got such a love for it and fondness for when we watched it. I hadn't seen Pompoko before and yesterday was my first watch of it. And I didn't want to message George to talk about it because I don't want to spoil this juicy goodness that we're talking about now. Juicy ball eagle goodness. <laughs> so I spoke to my brother who has since cut me out of the family and said that I need to disown talking about films in public for my opinions. <laughs> and what what's our opinions at? I did not like this film. <laughs> oh balls. 
I'm keen to know why, because we'll see if we align on any of the things. As long as George promises not to take any of this personally before I begin, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to come out of my it, mouth. This is why we didn't do Spirited Away. <laughs> oh, oh, I love well, Spirited when Away. When you said like, your favourite was Spirited Away, I was like, oh, we could have had, is it gone? It's like, it's there. We could have had Spirited Away instead of the raccoon <laughs> testicles. But then you wouldn't have to talk about testicles for an hour. I mean, it's just... Oh. I'm a secondary school teacher. They come up more often than you really want in teaching. <laughs> In terms of this film, I kept, not in a seedy way, I kept waiting for the film to start. I think it was about half an hour in before I realised that kind of episodic approach was the approach of the film. You kind of touched upon it, I think, Helen, in terms of how obscure it is. Sometimes you realise when talking about films, you can sound a bit wanky. And I was describing this film as a pseudo-documentary, Wes Anderson's style, about the socio-ecological history of a tribe of raccoons dogs and i was like i've got to hate myself a little bit right now (laughs) but i mean you're right i mean it kind of is doing that yeah i mean i definitely i think that if you have a problem with the narration especially like it does give it intentionally a kind of a level of remove and you are meant to see it it's kind of almost like documentary yeah but i mean i love the kind of weight of it in terms of it's like the loss of innocence like you see what they're just sort of oh, this is just a little bit of a nuisance for us and we're all very comedic and we're all friends and stuff. And it, and it slowly dawns on them, season after season, you go by, that actually they're not winning this at all. But, you know, I still think it can be enjoyed on the slapstick, let's hit people with bulls in the face. You know, the, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it works on those different on those different levels. I don't know. I mean, what, what did you think about sort of the latter third of the film where things start getting quite generally quite dark i think that section where i don't know if i missed how they got to it but where they they scare all the villagers by hiding their faces so they got like they got no faces in the streets riding the bike in the in the shop i was like that is genuinely quite freaky that's genuinely like a really more so than the ghosts parade thing so they are like properly going to like dark, dark, dark places. It's almost like Beetlejuice as well, <laughs> where they've turned into a ghost story to scare out the people from their territory, their house that they inhabit. I was quite impressed by it, generally. I liked the narration. I think the Wes Anderson comparison with the narration is very, very true. And that's probably why I stuck to the English dub. Typically in these, I kind of switch back and forth just going on, but I just kind of thought I fell into agree with the English dub and the Japanese version didn't have that kind of... Wes Anderson archness, which I do like sometimes in films. And at the start, I was hooked in from the point where he said, not many people know, but raccoons can stand on two legs. They don't do it when humans are around, but they do it in their own privacy. And then suddenly they've got clothes on and suddenly they're fighting. And then like five minutes later, they're like turning into like different pots and pans and kettles. And you're like, hold on, I don't know where this is going. So that made me lean forward into it more than perhaps Charlotte and, and Helen. Yeah, I mean, I think where the film kind of elevates for me is towards the end. You know, I love the kind of ghost parade sequence, Mm. just visual level. But when that kind of fails, and that's like where all the hopes sort of lie. And I think it gets claimed by like a theme park developer. And they're saying, oh, yeah, no, it was just a publicity stunt. And they realise that like nothing they do will ever kind of defeat the humans. And then one of the elder... Who are, the elders I love, by the way, when they, yeah, when they introduce the wearing those funky outfits, like that's so funny. When they fly into the kind of commune, the, when the elders fly into the commune, that's so I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, go on, George. 
It was great. But yeah, when one of them goes to the fox, a kitsune, which is another kind of mythological bit of folklore, another thing to add on to it. But so the fox is like this stereotypical 80s businessman with like women around and it's all very greasy and sleazy. And he says like, the only way you can survive is if you become humans and work for them. And the, the elder's horrifying. It's like, but what about the, the tanuki that can't shapeshift? And he's like, oh, well, don't care about them. You just, you've got to ignore them and forget about them. And it becomes like this, what the film ends up being is like this sort of, I guess, statement on like capitalism, I guess. And like how like we're sort of forced to abandon our friends and our communities and cultures and traditions to work for money. And I just found that just so like heartbreaking, especially because what the fox says is actually what happens towards the end and you see a few of those tanuki just on a on a golf course at the end and that's the only way they can kind of live and i just think oh god that's so horrible and while the ones that shapeshift are having to take energy shots all the time just to keep the grind going i know it's a film that i feel like it that still speaks to today and um, regardless how much you know about japanese folklore it's something that i guess people any any person can kind of relate to that idea even if it does take a while to get to that point whilst you're saying that which i thought was fantastic and general i did look up tanuki t-a-n-u-k-i guys and yeah that's them (laughs) and as i typed into google the first thing is you type in tanuki and tanuki testicles is one of the um, (laughs) highest (laughs) we've been talking a lot about testicles in this episode it's also a power up in super mario Bros. free Tanuki testicles. You can turn into a tanuki. <laughs> okay. No, no, there's no testicles in that game. <laughs> Mario, no, sorry. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> also, I did research. I said research. The guy who does the narration in the English language dub. And his voiceover career is insane. Going all the way back to playing Chief Quimby in Inspector Gadget. And the brain in Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs. So that's, again, I think I just had like a, an affinity to this voice this guy had literally kind of narrated and voiced a lot of my childhood. Captain Planet and the Planet Tears. My God, you know, there's a lot There's a lot of stuff I'd listened to him doing. Is there anything else you guys want to say before we head to the scores? Isn't there an Easter egg of Totoro as well as a reference to Totoro in this film? <laughs> well, there's also an Easter egg to Kiki's delivery service as well. I don't know if you spot Kiki in this film. Is it the cat? No, she's actually in the ghost parade. She wishes she whizzes past on a on a broomstick. Aww. Oh, okay. The one last thing I want to mention is that we didn't actually mention what pompoko means. <laughs> it's just the sound that they make when they hit their bellies. Their bellies, not there. And I just think that's so charming. Yeah. Not known. <laughs> oh my god. Or the pouches. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> okay, well, let's head to the scores. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. 
Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, George, with your recommendability. Yeah, I mean, on a certain level, it depends on your tolerance for testicles. I don't know. I'm going to have to give this a 4.8 with the 0.2 gap being whether you, how much you like testicles or not being on screen. Okay. 0.1 for each testy. Yeah, but there we go. There we go. <laughs> 0.1 for each testy. No, I do think it's something that I doesn't get recommended a lot, which is a shame when it comes like Studio Ghibli movies. You know, I do think the Animals of Farthing Wood is a good sort of entryway, and I mean, it's it's got similarities to that type of animal versus human type story. And yes, it does make a lot about Japanese folklore and rooted in that. But I do think the stories are kind of you know the environmental analogies and the stuff about capitalism that can be read by anybody. Charlotte. I'm really sorry, George. When I picture my dream of the Dalai Lama of pop culture in my cave, I'd give this film a one for my recommendation. I don't know who this film is for, and I don't mean it in an offensive way. Oh, I just, I don't know who I'd recommend it to. And I, yeah, I'm sorry. Helen. <laughs> I'm, my heart. I feel, feel we may need to give you some time together after this to... <laughs> Some couples therapy. Reconciling chat. For a complimentary session to talk through your feelings. <laughs> I don't think this is top tier for me. That said, I do find the themes really interesting, the capitalism and the environmentalism and the fact that also they're, they're also kind of like warned at the start that, you know, if they're going to keep procreating at the speed they are, they're going to run out of their resources and they're kind of like victims of their own being with doing that so there's a lot of really interesting things but I just don't think the execution is quite right and I just think it's way too long as well so I'm gonna gonna give it three I think if you're planning to kind of like be a bit of a completist and watch them all then absolutely you should watch it but for me it's not top tier yeah I'm gonna I'll go 3.6 if someone had pointed a gun to my head and said name all the studio Ghibli films this wouldn't would never have registered my brain I just I don't know if I'd never heard of it, but I would recommend it for that basis because I think a lot of people simply haven't heard of it. And I think it's definitely interesting and I like to see the variety of the things that the studio are putting out, even though, you know, in one film, you can, with like Spirits of the Way, you can see that this is not run on mill kind of a studio, right, is it? So I'd say have a go. If you've watched other Studio Ghibli films, then you probably like it. If you're not into Studio Ghibli, and I know a few people who aren't, then probably not for you at all. Repeat viewing score, George. I would go for a five because I think there is so much to unpack with this movie that maybe occasionally did a little bit to its detriment in terms of how like much plot there is. But it's, yeah, I mean, I as soon as I finished watching it, apart from the fact that I was a bit of an emotional wreck at the end, I wanted to jump back in. I miss my little Tanuki friends. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> I love them so much. Charlotte? I'm going to go for a 2.4 which feels kinder than maybe I might have gone originally. I think there's stuff in it. I definitely see what you're saying, George, about why the film's important and beauty in it. And I'd be willing to give it another go. But two hours is quite a long time to give for a film that doesn't spark joy for me. Miss Condo. (laughs) Helen. I watched this probably about two years ago and I kept putting it off and putting it off. And I was like, am I going to watch it? And I, I did download it on my phone to kind of watch when I was out and about and on doing a bit of train journey and I didn't get very far. And I don't know 
what it was. I just wasn't just wasn't feeling it. And I think it is a little bit of the the length did put me off. And I struggled to find a character that I really got behind to root for, I think, a little bit. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a one point five for repeat. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna watch it that often, to be honest. I still haven't seen Mononoke, Grave of the Fireflies. There's still some some big hitters there I've not seen in the Studio Ghibli canon. So it would be a while before I get back to this one. So let's give it a two, because I likely will at some point, but just not at the top of my list. Small screen score. George, have you seen any Studio Ghibli in the cinema? Yeah, so I have seen Spirited Away. Nice. Definitely in the cinema. I can't remember which other ones I might have seen. I've seen Kaguya, because that's, that's a more recent one that came out in the Tale of Princess Kaguya. Well, actually, I haven't seen Kaguya. I did see The Wind Rises, and I have actually seen The Boy and the Heron. Oh, really? Yeah, we saw it together. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not out yet. As we record, this is coming out at Christmas time. The Boy and the Heron was the latest Studio Ghibli film, which is after he supposedly retired from filmmaking. I mean, he said that every single time <laughs> since he made Princess Mononoke in the 90s. <laughs> so don't ever trust him when he says that. This time it's real. Oh, okay, one more time. But yeah, no, Charlie and I went to see that together. And at London Film Festival? Yeah, at London Film Festival. And also won't say anything about it, but I also love that film. And yeah, and I love seeing Studio Ghibli films on the big screen. But I do think they work on the small screen too. I mean, that's how I've watched, or how I was introduced to all of them. Pretty much, I've, I think I've seen, I, the first time seeing all of them was on the small screen. So I have to give this a five on the small screen because that's how I was introduced to it and that's how I kind of fell in love with it. Five. Charlotte? 3.3. I don't think it loses anything on the smaller screen. I think there'll be certain things like the sequences we've mentioned that maybe pop a bit more, but I think it's just as good and just as accessible visually. Helen? Yeah, I mean, I can take them or leave them in the big screen. I'm not that into seeing them on the big screen mainly because a lot of them had been released before I'd, I'd even heard of them. So I've only ever seen sort of post-2005 ones and then not all of them. So I think it's fine on the small screen, so I'll give it a five. Yeah, I'm going to go for a five as well. I don't think I'd get much more out of it from seeing it at cinema and I don't think I'd the acid test. I always say is if we go past Prince Charles Cinema and it's on, would I pop in to watch it? No, I don't you think so. see the testicles on a big screen <laughs> flying at you. <laughs> Magic Mike is I around mean, the corner. I, Sold didn't, right now. I was going to say, wasn't that Bruno? <laughs> that happened in Bruno, didn't it? Sasha Baron Cohen's film. <laughs> oh. George, engagement score. Uh, you know, I feel, yeah, I got to give it a five. It's a film that I want to see the whole way through. The only thing that might stop me from considering not watching the whole thing is because I don't want the sad ending. I mean, it doesn't end on a real sad note. There is a little bit of sort of happiness towards the end, but it is quite brutal what happens to them. But yeah, I don't think there's there's very few Gooey movies that I wouldn't give a five for engagement and this is no different. Charlotte? Just to do a little peek behind the curtain, when you told us these categories, you put in brackets, how difficult would it be for you to turn the film off once you started watching it? I paused this film like three or four different times of watching it and I had to like motivate myself to carry on watching it. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> One. Just picture a really cute little tanuki looking at you they're not right cute, now. cute though. Like they're really they're, like Yeah, not they're cute. not. Their faces are like, they're not like. And they like cute. a weirdly 
different proportions and different sequences that confused me. To answer your question, I'm going to go for like 1.7. Helen. So when I originally watched this, I think it would have taken me probably about six sittings because it's so long in the way that I was watching it. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a three. It does feel like it, it could have been watched as like a children's 20 minute animation series and they could have been kind of watched in the morning and it kind of had that sort of story feel. A three. I'm going to give it quite a high one. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four because I had no idea where this is going. And as, as I said, for the moment, there's talks about raccoons being able to stand on two legs when humans weren't around. I was like, okay, this is... I mean, you knew you're going in for something interesting when you press play on a Studio Ghibli film, but I wasn't expecting where this went. And that kept me engaged. Two hours is long. And I think I stalled from pressing play on the first time a few times because I was like, oh, I don't have the time, my headspace for a two-hour Ghibli film. <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah, it, it kind of got me towards the end of it. Especially once once they start using their uh, scrotum as parachutes, I mean, <laughs> you can't switch off at that point. Like, scrotum <laughs> as like I don't know, it's not projectile missile uh, weapons, but like striking weapons and squashing weapons and all these things. But yeah, a firmly a cab movie. That <laughs> gives an overall score of three point four eight one two five. It's right. How does that compare with the other? I don't know. Do you want? Do you want to play? You. I mean, you probably guess. So we've had Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, My Neighbor Totoro, and Kiki's Delivery Service. So if you want to go have a guess, what do you think the order was for top to, to bottom? I mean, I'll leave Charlie to guess this because I have listened to all your Ghibli episodes very recently. So I actually do know the answer to this. So it was Howl, Kiki, and... Ponyo and Totoro. Okay. Howl, Totoro, Kiki... Ponyo. Not my personal feeling, just as a general. So with the top, top with 4.31 was Howls. Ponyo came next with 4.11. Oh, I don't know if I'm saying yeah. it like that. And then Totoro, I was surprised as 4.04. And then Kiki's was 3.72. And then obviously we've now got Pompoko for the 3.48. So yeah, it's quite, I was surprised. I thought my name of Totoro was at the top. And it wasn't. And I was surprised that Ponyo was slightly higher. I mean, it is interesting that Houseman and Castle is at the top. I think the guest and the person who picked it were very hot for it. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. I mean, it's a, it's a great film. Like, it, it's a fantastic film. But it, it feels very, like, in some ways, quite diametrically opposed to, like, Pompoko in terms of it being sort of based on a english language book and stuff and children's book and then this is very firmly rooted in kind of japanese folklore they're very different but it just shows you how different ghibli films can be even if on the surface you think oh they you know that's that's anime that's ghibli they're all the kind of they're all just children's films and also um, how unpredictable our scoring system can be to some films <laughs> I think it's fair to say. I mean, on a scale of one to five, an amount of testicles. I mean, how does this it would get five across the board for testicles? I think. I, I think the only <laughs> film we've had notable testicles in is Step Brothers so far on Flix Watcher. So I think it's probably <laughs> this and Step Brothers for notable <laughs> testicles. Correct me if I'm wrong. We have had male nudity <laughs> in other films, I guess. It was specific <laughs> testicles. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, on the drum kit. Yes. <laughs> Where the testicles are a, like a key part of the plot. Yes, exactly. George, 
Charlotte, can you tell everyone where we can find you online? And let's say goodbye to all the listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, you can find me on the site formerly known as Twitter at G underscore Woody. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sometimes Movies. Bye, listeners. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. You just heard a stripped media production.